are in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10, through chapter 9, verse 5. Making our way through this wondrous text on the most favorite topic that church people want to hear, that of giving. If you would please turn, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10. Through 9.5. Let's read the word and pray for his guidance. I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also to desire to do it. But now finish doing it, so that just as there was the readiness to desire it, so there may be also the completion of it by your ability. For if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For this is not for the ease of others and for your affliction, but by way of equality. At this present time, your abundance being a supply for their need, so that their abundance also may become a supply for your need that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, who puts the same earnestness on your behalf into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he has gone to you of his own accord. We have sent with him the brother whose fame in the things of the gospel has spread through all the churches. And not only this, but he also has been appointed by the churches to travel with us in this gracious work, which is being administered by us for the glory of the Lord himself to show our readiness, taking precaution so that no one will discredit us in our sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We have sent with them our brother whom we have often tested and found diligent in many things. But now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner, my fellow worker among you. As for our brethren, they are messengers of the churches, a glory to Christ. Therefore, openly before the churches, show them the proof of your love and of our reason for boasting about you. For it is superfluous for me to write to you about this ministry to the saints. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely that Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case, so that, as I was saying, you may be prepared. Otherwise, if the Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift, so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. Father, we come before you. Help us to hear. 
Help us to be overwhelmed and rejoice at the privilege of being in the church, at the privilege of ministering to the will and the promises and the plans of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, may we be found diligent. May we be found with an earnestness. Father, may we be found with an overwhelming passion to pursue your plans. And Father, may we finish the tasks that are set before us to your glory and to your glory alone. May it be the passion of these precious souls that we would be a glory to Christ. In Christ's name, amen. Hudson Taylor was a missionary that is credited with opening China to the gospel. And it was very labor-intense work. He made a quote, and I will quote it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Unquote. Is that not a self-evident truth? I mean, I, you don't really have to defend that if you think about it. God will get it done. Okay? Uh, whatever resources are needed for what God is doing, God will provide those resources. Um, but I, I, one of the things that I, I find fascinating is that the work of God has always and is always throughout history. It always begins in the church. It begins in the church. We come alongside uh, the purposes of God as He unfolds them. And we do it by giving our money to the church. And we provide the resources that are needed to accomplish the purposes that God has set before us. Listen, there are many pleas. Many, many pleas. And this text, 8 and 9, help us to discern where we need to. Okay? And, and one of the things that is amazing to me, we really need to discern. Uh, there is a, a, a massive amount of lack in discernment. I, in my life as a Christian, it, it seems that the false are always successfully funded. And the tragedy of that is that it's very often done by well-intentioned yet unwise believers. And they don't pay attention. How do we decide? How do we decide? Now, remember, Paul is petitioning the Corinthians to help the saints in Jerusalem. They were really struggling. There had been a conflict between the Apostle Paul and the Corinthians. You see that in 1 Corinthians, but you also see it. There was a letter we don't have called the severe letter. But you've seen in chapter 7 that that relationship had been reestablished. And now he's back to task. He had sent Titus a year ago and said, we need to help the saints in Jerusalem. The first mega church was desperately poor. I was reading some numbers. I don't really get into surveys 
But there are a number of Christian groups that are out there. And I stumbled upon this one in 1987. Okay, 1987. That's a few years ago. It said, surveyed, 40% of Christian or 40% of Americans felt that Christian fundraising was honest in 1987. You know what that means, right? 60 didn't think it was honest. All right. I wonder what it is today. Here's a quote for you that I think is uh, very appropriate. Quote, Christian fundraising has reached the end of its tether after it has adequately informed us of the need. Convincing is the terrain of the Holy Spirit. Unquote. Okay, now, that's a very eloquent way of saying, give the information, you don't need manipulation. (laughs) It sounds better when they say it, doesn't it? (laughs) You know what? When you present the need, that's as far as I need to go. I don't need to send you a bunch of pictures of starving dogs or, or buy a goat for a tribe or I don't have to do any of that stuff. I just present the needs. Because if you go back to your outline, you see first and foremost that giving is voluntary, but it is to your benefit. Okay, it is your advantage to give. Why? It's kind of fun to be hooked up with what God is doing. I've always kind of enjoyed it. And it always seems to be exceedingly abundantly beyond what I could think or imagine. But. There are times that we just don't feel like doing it. And I'm not going to try to manipulate you. And if anybody who's been around me very long or has been in this church very long, you know that I just roll the need out and leave it. Here's the need. Just It's just like the letter I got from Pastor Philip. It's like the, the letter I got last week from Pastor Paul needing glasses. Here's the need. You can either stand up or you can ignore it. But it will be to your advantage. It is also faithful. Once you start it, complete it. A year ago, Paul, uh, Titus, had informed the Corinthians there was this great need in Jerusalem. Massive need. you got a church that's probably 20,000 people. Okay? The bulk of them don't have a job. Not only that, they're in a city that hates them. So you have a poor church and a persecuted church that has massive numbers of people. They were pilgrims. They had come and heard the gospel and refused to go back. They stayed where they could hear the Bible taught. Finish it. But you give as one has. You give as one has. Macedonians were very poor. The Corinthians were very wealthy. And yet the Macedonians were given out of their poverty liberally. 
sacrificially. It's like the lady that we always see Jesus was watching them make the deposits in, or the offerings in the temple. And the widow gave one penny, two half coins, half cent coins. A day's wages she gave. Jesus said she worshiped more than all of them. Why? She sacrificed. She sacrificed. She probably went without food that day. Why? So she could give her penny. Do we do that? Have we ever contemplated that? I sold a fishing boat once. Used it to build a house of prayer in Zeminfka. They already had the house. It just wasn't quite ready. All right. But, you know, you can rationalize it. Well, my kids were grown and I didn't. What, really? No, it's more important. So every time I go to Oriel, guess what? I go to Zeminka. All right. Great bunch of people. They want me to preach for like an hour and answer questions for like two hours. Love them to death. Okay. Do not eat the crab salad. Okay, I did it one time and said, make a note and have it firmly burned into your brain. Don't eat Russian seafood. Okay, just a warning. If you don't believe me, try it. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) all right. You give as you have. But it's used for the balance of the body. You look around the body of Christ. There are people in the body of Christ who have needs. If I see that person has a need, what do I do with it? Tell the pastor to pray for it. (laughs) That ain't what you do. God brings somebody in your life and they have a need. Listen, I need a new Harley. All right. But I'm not going to ask you to get me one. And I'm probably, if I'm truly honest with it, it's more of a want than a need. Okay. I already got it picked out too. No, (laughs) just kidding. It balances the body. Why? So that the love of Christ is across the body of believers. But it also is giving is submission to the leadership. It's why I don't manipulate you. I don't tell you that this is a great tragedy. You know, Oriel is not that far from being downwind of Chernobyl. They they always say, well, you know, Chernobyl's just over there. And I was like, yep. But you guys got pears. They got pears at the bottom of them of that big round. And I'm thinking, radiation. Whoa. <laughs> big, juicy pears. Okay, I mean, they got, well, when they grow, they have a very short growing season, so I know it's got to be Chernobyl. And they're awesome. <laughs> I mean, juicy. You can almost take a bath with one. The body of Christ has been given leadership that God says, this is what I want you to lead. I expect that leadership to be in fervent prayer constantly in my word, constantly and in tune with my spirit, spirit filled and walking constantly. So when the door of the purpose that I have comes, they are sensitive to it.
The congregation needs to be submitted. If you have been blessed with those kind of leaders, you need to be sensitive because they are truly a blessing from God. But there's also accountability. We see here that Paul saw the earnestness put into the life of Timothy to meet this offering. But he also had a preacher that was famous. And he wanted to be a part of it. And then there was another person who the churches all knew. And he was a part of it because he had proved himself diligent in these things. So you had three men besides the Apostle Paul. Who were going to take up this task of gathering this generous, bountiful offering for the sake of the saints in Jerusalem. We also saw last week that it is an expression of love. It is an expression of love. Do this with your face before the people. So that the churches, it says openly before the churches, show them the proof of your Love. No greater love has this than a man what? Lay down his life for his friends. Okay. If you see a brother in need and do not meet that need, how can the love of God be with you? And you know, and everybody says, well, you're, that sounds manipulative. No, it sounds biblical. The Bible says that. I didn't make that stuff up. Let's be realistic. You ever seen a young couple when they fall in love? It's disgusting, isn't it? (laughs) They give up sleep for one another. Have you ever seen it? Have you ever seen butch, rough, tough guys and they'll go see love story? Really? But he's a Rambo guy. But she loves him. Hey. Hey, break. Go at least see Casablanca. <laughs> I mean, it's got a little more to it. All right. But you watch that. What they give and they pour themselves out for the other. Which brings me to point eight. First four verses of chapter nine. Uh, I don't like chapter nine as a uh, chapter break here because it's still coming out of uh, what he dealt with at the conclusion of chapter 8. But I didn't do this, so I will read it. He says in verse 1, It is superfluous for me to write to you about this ministry of the saints. I've been kind of going around in my head. When you think about giving in the body of Christ, okay, you, you think about church as a pastor... You know, I've, I've had the privilege to be around some tremendous men of God. You know, I know a church right now that their missions budget, okay, just that they're active in, okay, is a million five a year. All right. That just missions. And you just sit there and go, oh, mercy. All right. And, and I've asked some of these guys over time. I've, I've dealt with some other churches that are massive in their numbers and their budgets um, that are glorifying to God. Um, what do you want from your church in terms of giving? When you think about the church, 
In my position, what do I want from the church in terms of giving? And I've, I've dealt with a, some guys. Uh, I, you know what? I had an interaction with a church. Their yearly budget, okay? Their yearly budget was $64 million. Okay? But they were $22 million in debt. They gave nothing to missions. But they did have uh, leadership conferences at Pebble Beach. And I thought, well, it's kind of cool. All right. And yet you got $60 million budget. And it was a mess. It was a mess, to, to, to say the least. Um, my passion for the church and those that I have been around who are in... Um, Big churches meet the needs, meet the needs, make sure there's no shortfalls, whatever is needed to do the ministry, you know, and that's like really strange stuff like heat, lights, maybe a telephone. All right. But it also says that the ox that grinds. Is worthy to eat the grain. Galatians 6 says, those who have been given by the teacher should share their stuff with the teacher. Thessalonians 3 says that if they are diligent in the word and in prayer, they're worthy of double honor. I will let you go look up the word honor. It's fascinating in the original language. Meet the needs. Okay, the second thing is, I'd like to see to give more than needed. Okay, we produce a budget every six months. This is what we need. What would happen if we expanded the ministry because more was given? And I've talked to numerous pastors about this. Why? Because technically the church doesn't want to just exist. The church should be wanting to reach more. The church should be wanting to teach more. The church should be wanting to train more. So we should be giving more than is budgeted so that these godly leaders that God puts in our life that we are lovingly and joyfully submitted to are prayerfully and carefully expanding the ministry. So that Paul writing to the Thessalonians says, I want you to excel more. And then thirdly, the thing that I really wanted to get on to is give so generously that we become the standard of which all church giving is measured. That's what he's got in these first four verses. And you know what? I was going through this as I was writing them down and going back through notes that I've gotten from other pastors and and other churches And I thought, you know, I love you guys enough to wish and pray this for all of you. If you gave like that, you would not be able to contain the blessings that God would give back to you. Because that blessing, when you become the example, 
starts impacting other churches, which starts impacting other saints, which starts impacting the entire planet Earth. Now, remember, I've already said you give out of what one has. My passion for Castle Rock Baptist Church is that at some point in our time, we give 50% of our budget to serving others. We're 26% right now. When I took over a senior pastor, we were 3%. Okay? I shared with you last week that you had an impact in an area that's the size of the Carolinas and Virginia. Had two churches. Now there's 17 Bible preaching churches in that area. I shared with you what you have done in Punjab, India. I shared with you a school, kindergarten through 10th grade in Tedeman, Burma. We have a door open in Tbilisk, Georgia and Azerbaijan. We also have a door opened in Israel for migrating Russian Jews to take the gospel to a people who are finally responsive to the gospel since 70 A.D. Those are doors open. I have a dear, dear, very dear friend, Ramas, Ramesh Richard, who is a Brahmin Indian, who is the seat of preaching at Dallas Theological Seminary, who has a massive door open to Sudan. Those are all out there yet. I have many, many that are out there that I pray. It would be very easy for me right now to get 50% of very biblically based people. But we don't have the money. Paul's heart here is that he wanted the Corinthians to set the example to be the standard. You say you love Christ. You say you love the word. You say you are committed to one another. Then set the standard that shows that love. Verse 1. It's silly for me to write this. See, that's why I don't write the Bible. Paul uses superfluous. Paul says, I don't even have to write this. You know this. Set the standard. You, I want you to prove your love. And I know that it's there. And I want your action and your giving to give credence to my boasting. I know you have this love. It's silly for me to ask you to do this because you already know to do this. I got a letter from Dr. Provost and he says, has your church grown? And I said, no, it's. Keeps consistent, 25 to 25 to 25. And he says, how did you do a hundred Emmanuel's child stars? And he says, oh, now I remember you preach for an hour every Sunday. They're willing to get you to shut up. They'll buy stars. Paul says, I want this offering ready 
when he got there. Why? I want the people to see your love and show his confidence, and it was correct. I think it's amazing that this church was reconciled with the Apostle Paul after the tragedy of buying into the false teacher's claims against him. I know your love is real. I have reason and have confidence in this. Why? Because our relationship has been reestablished. You can't do that. How many times have you ever seen church leadership get attacked by the congregation and there's restoration? Once. <laughs> okay, because the congregation all of a sudden becomes brilliant. We know. Paul says, I don't even need to write this. You heard the need when Titus had already told you and you had a desire then and you started to give then a year ago. Now be ready to continue it. Take this task and set the example. That's what he's saying. Verse two says, you I know your readiness. I know your eagerness. I know your zeal. I know your passion. And I'm calling you back to your original response. You started, let us finish it. There in the beginning was this overwhelming desire to do that. Before these accusations, before my character was attacked, before the false teachers came in and tried to sway you. Now let's get back to our original motivation. Let's get back to that original eagerness. That which I had already boasted to the Macedonians. That the saints in Corinth were stepping up. Their readiness, their eagerness, their motivation was so strong. The Apostle Paul used it as an example to the Macedonians. You guys have done this. I have said in the meetings. I deal with churches that we are dealing with working alongside that are massive in numbers. And yet they don't give like you guys give. I don't know how many times I heard the bookkeeper at SGA and Dr. Provost at SGA said, if the churches invested in Russia gave on the level of Castle Rock Baptist Church, we would have already reached the entire nation. I boasted to you of the Macedonians, namely that Achaia has been prepared since last year. Achaia is the southern part of the Greek peninsula. That's where Corinth is. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. The church in Corinth's passion and eagerness and zeal to do this had stirred up the other churches. Set the example. Set that example. See, in the beginning, the Corinthians' passion to help the saints in Jerusalem stirred up the churches in Macedonia. That's awesome. You were the example. 
And the Macedonians were giving incredible. They were giving generous. They were giving sacrificially. Chapter 8, verse 2 makes this statement. It was a great ordeal of affliction with their abundance of joy. Their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. They gave out of their poverty. They were poor. They were persecuted. They were in deep poverty, the Macedonian churches. Listen, Thessalonica was a Macedonian church and they had arrested Jason and threatened to kill him if Paul didn't leave the town. You can't tell me that they weren't persecuted. You've got to remember they had a synagogue in Thessalonica and two of their chief rabbis came to know Christ. Because of the preaching of the church in Thessalonica and the Jewish synagogue got extraordinarily offended by this. Paul left, went 50 miles to the west to Berea. When he got to Berea, they found out that he was teaching the Bible there with the Bereans and they came from Thessalonica and threatened to kill him. And they had to leave Berea. They were persecuted. They were persecuted. And yet they gave liberally. They gave like that because they were following an example. The Corinthians. The Corinthians were wealthy. Most of them were freed slaves. Entrepreneurial. They set an example in the beginning. And the Corinthian zeal stirred up most of the churches in Macedonia. Paul wanted the Corinthians to continue. Keep up the example. Verse 3. I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case. You had a great start. You set an example to all of the churches. They Macedonians were responding amazingly and generously. You stirred them up. And we sent the brethren so that our boasting is not in vain. Not only are they going to keep an accountability of the money, this great offering that we're taking, but they're also, they have a fire in them because they watched what the Corinthians had done. They had a zeal. I want you to be prepared to continue. I want you to fulfill my confidence. I want you to fulfill my expectations. I believe, and I've told you guys this, that it roughly about $13,000 to run all summer camps in Orel. Okay, and there's like three to four of them, depending on what they get. I believe that we have the ability, as small as we are, to meet that need. I really do. I didn't say it wouldn't be without sacrifice. But I do believe we have that ability. And everybody said, well, you're crazy. Well, they told me I was crazy to get 100 stars, too. We sold those. So, I don't have a problem. Why? God showed us a need. This is the greatest evangelistic tool they've got in an area the size of uh, the Carolinas and Virginia. Really? What are we going to do? Pray about it? I don't think so. We step up. I don't have another fishing boat, so. (laughs) I do have two motorcycles, though. 
One of them you have to pedal. It could be a novelty. <laughs> you had a great start, Corinth. Set the example. Why? Well, I don't want my boasting to be in vain. Okay? Fulfill my confidence. Fulfill my expectations. Okay? Why? Verse 4. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared. You know, I've been boasting to the Macedonians on how much you're giving. And this bountiful gift, your generous giving to the saints in Jerusalem. And I'd hate to show up and find out that your bountiful and my bountiful ain't the same. All right, because I've been boasting about this. And I know that the poverty stricken churches, the persecuted churches up in Macedonia, I know what they're giving. And I can't believe the amount that they're giving. And you're not poor and you're not persecuted. And I know that you have more resources. If I come and there's some Macedonians with him, this would be his third visit to the city of Corinth. And guess what? Acts chapter 20 verses 2 through 6 says when he came back, who was with him? Some Macedonians. Surprise! He brought some with him. And if you're not prepared, there is going to be shame on the church and the apostle. How much discernment, Paul, do you have? You said that these people were generous. You had confidence and great expectation in their zeal and their eagerness. And they don't have nothing. We got caught last year with the uh, summer camps and they had to cancel too. Because we didn't have the money. If it's done right, then nobody is shamed. The church is not shamed. I want you to be an example. You started out right from the beginning. I want you to be an example to the end. So that the other churches, so that other individuals can come and see this God-glorifying model. This God-glorifying example. Paul said, you have a great love. I have boasted of the love of the Corinthian saints. You are generous. I have boasted to other saints of the generosity of the Corinthians. And I have confidence in you. Don't make me eat my words. Paul wanted the Corinthians to be a powerful witness to the churches, all of the churches. Look at what happened. Now you got to understand something. Remember, I shared with you the history of Corinth. It used to be if you were promiscuous, they used to call it to Corinthianize. Socrates says it was his favorite place to hang out. Why? Bare-chested women spearing pigs and climbing poles. Unquote. What a town. Okay? This was the pit of iniquity, and God put this thriving church right smack in the middle of it. He said, watch this. Listen, a church that does not give. I shared with you the one that I, I had dealings with, a $65 million a year budget, $22 million in debt. 
gave nothing to mission. A church that does not give is a church that is self-indulgent. Okay? A church whose needs in this life have become a disgrace to God. And there are many, many, many of them here in our town, people. Here in our town. A faithful, generous body can set an example for the other churches after it humiliates some of them. Because that's what it's got to take. What is your focus? Paul says, I boast of you. Paul says, but you know what? So do others. Titus has seen the zeal, the earnestness. This famous preacher, known to all the churches, had seen it. This other saint who was diligent and been tested many times, he had seen it. So there were other people talking about this passion, this zeal, this generosity that the Corinthians had. Paul says, I have a confidence in you, and I have told many, and many have seen it. When I think about Castle Rock Baptist Church, and that first time I went to Russia, and I took a picture, we all sat out there on that front step. Okay? And I took that to Russia, and I went into their Sunday school classes. Their young adult Sunday school class dwarfs this church. Okay? And I show them, this is who we are. And he said, well, how do you do this? I just smile at him and say it's a God thing. All right? I, I've, I've seen it across the board. I know that Pastor Paul deals with it. I, I know that Pastor Philip. Pastor Philip spoke here. How did you do that? I don't know how many times he's asked me. How do you do that? And And I realized that they don't laugh when you say Rob Banks. So <laughs> some people just haven't gotten my sick sense of humor yet. And so, so guys, I remember one time, uh, Pastor Paul, we were going to help him. It was when he was building the school. <laughs> and he said, how can we get this money? And I said, I'll go out and steal cars. There's this pause on the phone and he says, no problem. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Pastor Paul knows me well enough to say, yeah, he's an idiot. When I see people, when I think about our, our design for ministry, when I think about what the Corinthians were doing for the church in Thessalonica, they were listening to the Apostle Paul. When I think about their example that they set for the Macedonians, I see something that is very common in true God-fearing churches. Okay, one, you have a love for the Scriptures. The people that we deal with, whether it's in Israel, whether it's in Georgia, whether it is in Azerbaijan, Oriel, or Belarus, um, whether it is in um, Burma, wherever it is, they all have a love of the Scriptures. Two, they do know what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. What the true biblical standard for worshiping in spirit and in truth is. They also have a love for sound doctrine. 
sound doctrine. And there is a love for the proclaiming in the Spirit the Word of God. When you have that as your foundation, then you see people who are willing and loving and passionate and zealous about serving. And when you have that, then you have a people and a foundation that are passionate, earnest, zealous to give. And you know what? They step up and they meet the need. Paul says, our credibility is at stake. If I show up with Macedonians and you're not ready, I've been telling them about your giving. Could you please keep it up? You've had a year. I'd like to see you, Corinthians, set the example. I would like to see Kasserock Baptist Church set the example. I would like to see us move to 50%. But I'd also like to see us set an example in our speech, in our conduct, in our righteousness, in every aspect of our life. And you know what? Even in our giving. I... I understand marginal giving. I'm not new here. But I would like to see us excel. I'd like to see us set an example that when the church in Myanmar or the church in Punjab or the churches in Azerbaijan or the church in Georgia hear about what we do, they stand in awe. I've said in the president's office in moscow russia the president of uh, the baptist union and he says how how is it that you do this when i run into alexis a year ago and sergey up in chicago they alexis said sergey looks introduces me to him and sergey says this is the one that i have told you about and he shakes my hand and there's a way that they shake You shake your hand, you hold right hand, but when you grab the forearm, that humble admiration of you, okay? And Alexi grabbed my forearm, and I said, it's not me. I said, it's a God thing. And of course, then Bob pipes in, he's trained his people to listen for an hour every time he preaches. (laughs) I said, I don't know if I've trained anybody anything. Why? They've heard about you. Listen, I want you to know something. This ain't me. I just happen to be our representative. I've already offered it. Anybody wants to go can go. Okay, and everybody says, well, why don't you? (laughs) Have some seafood on me. Okay. But you see what I'm trying to get at? It isn't me. I don't have a ministry to the Slavic people. Casserock Baptist Church has a ministry to the Slavic people. Corinth set the example how willing they were to fulfill my confidence. Each and every one of you should be prepared so there is no shame. Okay, let's pray. Father, to your glory and praise, I thank you for the Corinthians. Father, so many of us look at this poor church with... 
hostility, and yet you restored it. And it was obvious that she was very passionate to the Apostle Paul, very responsive to the Apostle Paul. Thank you, Lord, for these people. Thank you for the Macedonians. Father, uh, through their poverty and their persecution, you used them exceedingly abundantly. Father, thank you for Castle Rock Baptist Church. Our impact on this globe, um, how many souls will step into glory and be eagerly awaiting us to thank us that we stepped up to meet the need that they could hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many souls have stepped into your presence and heard, well done, because the people around me had an eagerness to give the purposes and the plans and the power of God to rejoice only for eternity. To your glory, my King, in Christ's name. Amen.